Using the insights from our work in education, the All Podcast seeks to empower you to become your authentic self. Each episode, we will explore obstacles that we all face in this pursuit, such as the pressure of family, friends, or even your self. Together, we will set goals that help us express our truest selves, laying the path towards greater well-being. I'm Lashana Moyle, a licensed mastered social worker currently operating as a therapist. And I'm Josh Van Zweden, a licensed therapist and certified drug and alcohol counselor. We're going to talk about therapy. We mentioned this the last episode, but we're talking about therapy. Ooh, and therapy. I know. It's a I dirty know. word. Scary, it, Josh. It can be. A very big word, right? <laughs> so therapy is this process. And I intentionally use the word process because it's a process of becoming something or overcoming something, right? Yes. It's being our authentic selves. Absolutely. Right? It's that first piece of that acronym of AWE, our authentic selves. And we have to know that therapy uses evidence-based practices, right? So it's grounded in research. It's not just talking. It's not just listening and venting, right? right. It's more than that. It's right. more than that, you know? So it's, it's a process using evidence-based practices done with a licensed clinician. That's excellent. So I agree. There are several processes that are discussed throughout the therapy process. And yes, evidence-based. That's something within our education that was heavily um, pressed upon us, right? Evidence-based practice, evidence-based practice. So it comes from a place that has shown that it works, right? Um, It's supported by research that there is something attached to it that makes that experience or that process or that tool, if you will, successful. Mm -hmm. Um, The other piece of therapy is that it's a collaboration. So it is not just the clinician, but it's also the individual coming into that space and sharing. And so it's it's work between the two together, infusing, if you will, the evidence based practice. Right, right. To to learn, we need to know about you. We need to learn about what you're struggling with, what your barriers are. Um, And then also what are your strengths and how do you overcome those things as well, right? So it's a very much an alignment um, and a collaboration working towards a goal, right? Things that we, you and I have both said on this podcast. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll check in on later, of course. And, And that leads to many barriers, right? So why is it so hard to ask for help? Well, my gosh. Because for me to to ask for help, that might make me look as though I'm incompetent or I don't know what I'm talking about or that I'm weak. Um, And the hardest part sometimes for me asking for help is, again, um, that piece of admitting that maybe I don't know something or... Ooh, and that's powerful, isn't it? Yes, (laughs) yes. Right? Even though we question ourselves every single day all day yeah that idea of admitting that maybe i'm wrong or someone might think i'm wrong is so scary right terribly frightening and that's why we you and i have talked about looking at those degrees like yes i'm competent i'm the expert in this area (laughs) but then questioning ourselves like should i take that (laughs) right Right. should i believe it yes right and the same thing goes with maybe i'm i'm not thinking about something right and showing someone else that maybe i am incompetent is the scariest thing too, right? It's this paradox that. Yeah, will that give the individual or the individuals I'm asking for help, will it give them a leg up on me? Will it make me look inferior to them? Um, And then will they be able to 
use that over me, right, in any situation and creating that dynamic in general, wherever you are in terms of asking for help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you think, um, you know, race and gender and, and our sex play a part in this? Well, I think it plays a part, just like you said. I think um, research, right? So evidence um, tells us that men, right, don't ask for help as often or go to therapy as often um, because there's this piece of masculinity that frowns upon that, right? That it implies that there's a weakness for you to ask for help and or to be going to seek help with a therapist. So I think that plays a huge part. Race. Again, there are dynamics there um, depending on your own experience, right? And um, even your upbringing and where you came from and how race has played a part of your life. And so um, those are pieces of the puzzle in terms of when you're looking for a therapist, uh, maybe what's talked about at home and how you um, relate or feel comfortable enough to ask for therapy. Um, So all of those things, I believe, do play a part in therapy in general the process yeah yeah as mentioned at the beginning I'm a licensed therapist and I'm a, I'm a male as you may have assumed by my voice <laughs> and <clears throat> there's many times you know I talked about my story of burnout in the first episode and how low a point I was at right and I didn't ask for help what didn't even wasn't the first thought that came to mind I was like I'm gonna soldier on I'm gonna do this because for some reason, I knew that I didn't have this, but my ego is like, you got this. Like, you're going to keep doing this. You're going to keep soldiering on in a sense, right? And there's many times where I should have reached out for therapy, but I haven't ever made that call. I relied on my supervisors and used that excuse, right? Like, they're a licensed therapist. For sure, they can give me advice. But it was only professionally, right? It's not diving into that authentic piece of ourselves that therapy does and helps us uncover some things that are standing in the way of us reaching our goals. Josh, you use the term soldier a couple of times, soldiering on. And so for me, that is um, powerful because we're talking about gender playing a part in the male piece of it, right? And soldiering indicates is indicative of toughness in that armor, right? And, and right. kind of putting up that front. And so just thought wow. I would point that out very quickly. Oh, wow, because it's so true. So true. I have to talk with clients about the drill sergeant in our head, right? We can have yeah. this idea that putting ourselves down motivates us or just ignoring everything motivates us, right? And those are the two types of drill sergeants a lot of times we hear about in different yeah. capacities, right? Either one's yelling at you to go faster, you know, <laughs> do it stronger, whatever it is, right? Or right. the ones just saying, ignore the pain, push through. Yeah. And I think that is a masculine piece of an easy one to apply to ourselves, right? But I, but I think it's not just men that struggle with that. Absolutely. And the, the masculine piece. So me as a female therapist, right? Um, a majority of the individuals that I see currently are women. Um, they identify um female and so but I am starting to see um, more men that will come in to see me and but there is that piece right of is she going to understand where I'm coming from right as a woman right and I even have felt that right as a woman right will he understand where I'm coming from right because there's different perspectives different experiences so that absolutely plays into that too 
Yeah, and I think that can add to our, you know, if we're going to bounce around a little bit here, add to our definition of therapy as well, right? It's about learning your perspective and learning about the way you're seeing the world through your eyes. Because if I'm not doing that, if I'm the therapist that's not doing that, then I'm more of an expert in just giving advice, right? I'm more of a parent figure. And that's not what therapy is. It's it's creating space and using tools to be your authentic self and become your authentic self. Yeah, great point. Um, we don't give advice, right? Where there's a support system to walk alongside. I always say we're going to hold your hand right through this process. Um, we're never here to tell you what to do. Um, even though we may be the expert, right? We did go to school. This is our training. You ultimately are the expert in your life. Um, just because mm-hmm. all those things we talked about, the various perspectives that you bring in. And so we are there to, yeah, to to support you through that and never to tell you what to do or how to do that in the sense of um, dictating anything. Right, right. So lots of the power of suggestion. Um, Sometimes, you know, I've asked if I can give my point of view, right? I ask permission first. Right. But, you know, a lot of it is about you and about how we can grow past or overcome these barriers that um, everybody has in front of them. They just manifest themselves in different ways, right? Absolutely. Um, I used to do a group with addiction, um, and I would do it, I don't know, I think we had to do three, nine hours a group a week is what each of us therapists had to do at the time. And I would do an activity where we would ask, um, how many of you would like to give help to someone else, or how many of you would help someone else? And Oh boy, I would say 80% of the time, 80% of the hands would go up about 85% right, of the hands. Everybody wants to help, offer help, right. yeah. And then only one hand would go up maybe if they would dare to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, so I say, look at this picture we have in front of us of all these people who would like to listen and try to help, right? They might not have all the answers, but they want to help. And yet we're like, I ain't asking for help. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. What about those myths that come along with us? We're touching on them right now. Yeah, this is one of my favorite areas, the (laughs) myths of therapy. Yeah, yeah. What's something you've heard that's a myth from maybe a client or something you've read in in your research? So often when people ask me what I do, um, they ask me if I have a couch in my office. So they're like, you have a couch in your (laughs) office? And, you know... Not to say that there aren't, because there are therapists that do, but no, that is not what that um, what every um, therapist's office looks like, right? There's not necessarily a couch in there that you're going to go in and lay down, and there's not going to be the ink blots, right? And so, um, there. The thing about therapy is each therapist has their own approach, and they right. they come from different spots, they come from different trainings, right? Their experiences um, in employment, those types of things, kind of dictate their approach, and so. One of the biggest myths that I've encountered is the couch. Right, right. And am I going to have to tell you about my dreams and then you're going to interpret my dreams and, and so on and so forth and do they mean things, right? And that's not to discredit like a psychoanalytic approach is what that's Absolutely called. Absolutely not, right. It, it's to understand that there's more than, yes. you know, just that approach. And sometimes the couch is for sitting, right? Yes. Or yeah. taking a nap if you're tired at the middle of the day like me. <laughs> Can we do that at work? Well, um, <laughs> we're not supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Sometimes people think therapy is a lot about just talking, right? And and 
sort of is, right? We use that's our that's our tool, our biggest tool is right. talking, because um, that's how we build understanding. That's how we deliver the tools and explain the tools. Um, but there has to be. It's got to be goal directed. It's got to be more than just talking. You should be able to ask your therapist, "What is your approach? Yes. What is the evidence based practice we're using here? Right. And why are we using it? Right. And your therapist should be able to tell you. Yes. Yeah. And there is even sometimes what I like to say homework, right? That I will give to those that I'm working with, right? And so then that you know, takes that piece of talk out of it. I am, of course, communicating verbally, right? For sure. But they're going to go outside of the session and hopefully apply those things, those tools. Um, And when we visit and reconvene the next time, then we'll process that through, again, the verbal communication. So for sure, for sure. There is take homework. And I think you should have take homework a lot of times when it comes out of a therapy session, because that is measuring our progress, right? Right. Um. And that only can be done if we have work at home to do, too. And that's that's where the growth happens a lot of times in our own environments. Yeah. Um, it's not a quick fix. What does that mean? That's a question also that we encounter. Um, people will come in and say, well, can I just do one or two sessions? And it's not a quick fix. We don't have a magic wand, right? And because we are supporting individuals through their experience, through their challenges, those types of things... It, it can vary, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it's not going to happen overnight because like we both have pointed out here, you're going to do that work outside of the session too. Right. So it also depends on the individual and when and how they are applying those tools and are they coming back to therapy regularly to then process that? Um, right. And so, yeah, nothing happens overnight and not quick fixes, don't we wish? Right, right. And, and, and sometimes we do are able to have one or two sessions and, and – and be done in therapy very rarely, but it is, it does happen. Right. Um, but I think a lot of that's related to, you know, the complexity of, of the barriers we're facing and what's Absolutely. the history of, of what's been happening and things like that. Right. So yes. there's a lot at play here, a lot at play. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What happens when I may be thinking that, well, they're just going to blame it on my upbringing or I'm a parent and they're like, well, they're just going to blame all of this on the way I'm raising my children. And so therefore, I don't want to do that. Right. So, yeah, that's another, I think, misconception. And again, um, as a therapist, right? So whatever the individual shares when they come in is where you start. And that can be what I like to say is a ping pong ball. It may start in one place and end up in a totally different place, which also can change um, the length of therapy, right? So if you come in and maybe you're having a crisis, but other things come out, that may not have anything to do with your upbringing or if you're a parent with your children, right? It may just have to do with the bad day that you had or something that occurred at work, right? It may have nothing to do with any of those other things. Um, but if an individual shares something about the upbringing, right, of course, that's going to be something that's discussed. Um, right, as a parent, right. um, if you're parenting and you have questions, right, because these are roles that we all play and mm-hmm. um, they do affect our lives. But no, that is not, we don't um, open the door and say, sit down and tell me from age five how things have gone for you, right? So it just, again, right. it depends on how um, things are divulged and where they come. Right, right. And that's where, you know, evaluation is important. We ask about histories and, you know, sometimes it is about upbringing 
Um, but it's not always one thing, right? And right. that's what I think we're bringing out here is it's not only one thing and it's a process. Everything's Absolutely. a process. We learn things through a process. We learn depression through a process, I believe. We learn unhealthy coping through a process. We learn um, anxious behaviors through a process, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're undoing processes, it would make sense that we need a process, right? It's Absolutely. not, and a lot of times it's not visible and that's tricky too, right? I don't <laughs> think this is working, but then six weeks later, um, I've had it before, like, man, that makes a lot of sense right now. That one thing um, so-and-so said to me all of a sudden comes up, right? So I think it's it's tricky. Um, and to ask questions, if, if you think there's a myth, right? Or if you're like, this is what I'm hearing about therapy, you know, I think it's, it's okay to, to give a call and um, ask a therapist, like, what does this mean, right? Yes. Or ask more people, what does this mean? And I try to start my um, sessions with individuals, especially the first time. What questions do you have? Are there any myths? I always say I'm going to give you my spiel, right? And so I go right <laughs> into the whole, the whole thing, and I talk about confidentiality and what is that I can say or cannot say, right, outside of that session. Um, and so again, that's another piece of the myth, right? That yeah. things are going to be shared, or how are they going to be shared, right? And um, it's completely confidential. Anything goes in there, and um, it's a neutral space. Right, right, and that is exactly you know how we choose therapists as well, right? Absolutely, that is something we go over. It's confidential, and I think when we look at choosing a therapist, if anybody's licensed, they usually have some sort of ethical governing board um, that you know sort of give you know supports the rules of HIPAA. Um, and says we need to allow the client to have this privacy and security, right? And we know, like, through history, or through research, not through history, but even through history probably too, but through research that if we don't have safe spaces to share things, we can't make progress, right? Right. Because we're not safe. We can't be authentic. We can't be real. Yes, and I see a therapist and... That journey to finding my current therapist has been one of interesting, um, all kinds of different facets, right? And so how you choose a therapist, some of those myths, right? So even for me, somebody who's trained in this area, some of the things I thought in my own head searching for a therapist, not Mm -hmm. that I'm a therapist hopper by any means, but I have um, gone through um, various individuals. And in that process, what I will say is, there has to be that um, piece of connection for me, right? And again, this is all about the individual. And so I really had to feel a connection because I am, I'm in there spilling my guts. And so I want to know that that person and I connect. Um, And for me, it is a female, right? Um, Race has not um, played a part in it quite yet. Um, But the current therapist that I speak with I feel very comfortable speaking with her about racial um, dynamics within my life. I did not, however, um, with the previous therapist that I saw. I I couldn't even bring that up. And I don't know why that is. um, But I know that I didn't even feel comfortable in that space sharing that. And I do now. And And so that's part of how I know that she's a great fit for me. Yeah. An internal measurement for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important. Right. And. Yes, we can have all kinds of things that go on in our brains that um, are constructed through or by society, right? Yes. Um, I remember not so long ago, um, I'm a 
advocate for medication and therapy, right? Mm-hmm. The big keyword being and. Um, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, people can make it through with therapy alone and sometimes with medication alone. But if we can link the two together with the and, we, we, we bring success. But my son, my very own son, was struggling with some things. And I had an extreme sort of mental resistance to even thinking about medication. Didn't even want to consider it. I knew it was going to help level the playing field. Right. And of course, I worked through that. Um, and we're in the process of discovering which medication may work the best, right? And right. Um, then what supportive um, care he needs as well. But I, I think it's so tricky when it comes to choosing a therapist, but it has to sort of come from within. You'll feel that comfortness. You'll feel that safe space. And the psychologist we talked to, in the case of my son, did that all for me, right? Awesome. We, we had a consultation. I was like, all right, I feel better. I think this is it. I think this is the route. And I think that's that's what we look for, is yes. that harmony. There you go. Yeah. Yes. And that's exactly what I hope also from the individuals that I speak with is that there is that piece of connection um, because I want them to be able to be their authentic self in that session with me. And so, you know, um, as therapists, we do, we hope, right, that we are making that connection with everybody. But the truth is, is that we cannot, right? We can't, no. And so um, I think knowing that as a therapist also helps with clients as well as knowing that not everybody is going to click with you. Um, right. But helping, like even as you said, being supportive in terms of, hey, I can refer you or maybe you'd be a great fit with, right? Right, right. Yeah. I remember having a, a client early on and um, I think for most people who know me, I tend to be a kind person and, and overly so sometimes. And um, I try my hardest to always do that too. That's kind of my purpose in life, I feel like. So, um she was coming back and talking about, I had her in group and then she went to another therapist within the office and um, she would tell this other therapist all the time about how much of a, an a-hole I was. <laughs> and, and, and everybody, the whole office would laugh about it um, because it just was far from who I was. But then to, to stop ourselves, we had to pause ourselves there and be like, okay, we're not seeing some perspective here. Um, but there again, you know, a lot of times, most of the time as therapists, we feel that when we're not building rapport with a client. Um, but if you're not feeling it, you know, something, that's something telling, telling you to try something different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. As therapists, we can feel that and sense that too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so not just the person seeking therapy, but also as the therapist as well. Right. Right. Very good. Right. So what if I'm nervous during therapy? What, what do you think that's about? Well, I would say that's fairly normal, whatever that means, right? Um, <laughs> because it is, it is very nerve-wracking because, again, the things that individuals share in therapy are, can be very um, personal and private and vulnerable and emotional. And as we just discussed prior, you know, so that – that may say something about us, right? It may say something that we don't want it to say. Um, But the beauty of therapy is that's the place to say it. That's where it's okay to express that. Um, And it is, it is nerve wracking. I think almost everybody that I've seen has, has indicated that they are nervous, um, that they don't know what to expect, or maybe their expectation is different than what actually happens. And so it's just like any other thing that you're unfamiliar with, right? 
there's going to be some some nervousness attached to that. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. a measurement of our vulnerability, right? Absolutely. And we could be sharing some vulnerable stuff, but you know, if we're looking for that licensed therapist or we're looking for a therapist who's guided by ethical principles, you know, by a certification process or a licensing process, we know that they have to keep those things confidential. And if they're not, you know, you need to report that too. You know, if you feel like you're being, your security and safety is being violated, you need to report that too. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, one of the things that we need to do here as we move towards the end of our our time together is check in on our goals we set to each, with each other, Lashana, and with the listener. And hopefully you've set some goals right along with us and are trying then experimenting right along with us and learning from our um, challenges and barriers too. But <laughs> Yes, remembering that's okay. <laughs> how did it go for you? How did your how did it go? Well, I I started a book I had mentioned last week, right? My goal is to read and I started a book that I was not extremely pleased with. I wasn't really getting into it, um, but I finished it. I finished the dang book. I did it. Um, <laughs> stuck with it. I stuck yeah. with it. I completed that goal, um, but I did struggle with um, aspects of just the content of the book, um, sure. which was not something that I expected. I'll be honest. Um, it was something within my wheelhouse, if you will. So it's something I was interested in or I am interested in. Mm-hmm. But again, there was a different perspective. And so it to me, it was just something that I didn't expect. But I did do it. Um, I finished it. And I'm excited to start that second book coming up here. Um, wow. My other area of for goals is to assert myself. And last week, again, I spoke about my attire. This week, I did something um, very similar, and I wore it, but it was a different um, presentation, if you will, within my attire. So last week, I spoke to something more feminine and professional, and this week, I wore something a little sporty, would be the term I would use. And um, again, I second-guessed it, but it was how I was feeling, and there are many facets of me. I talked about that, you know, with my hair and things, and so... I let it go and I asserted myself and I wore the sporty attire and um, nice work. Thanks. I struggle with that a lot. Just struggle. And those are my internal struggles. Um, and for various reasons, various dynamics, various roles that I play, um, what impression am I making? Right. Right. Um, right. But I also see that as a win because I actually did it. You so did. I did assert myself even with. <laughs> The barrier right. challenges, etc. Right, right. Yes. A lot of wins there. That's amazing. That's Thanks. amazing. Yeah. So my goals, of course, were physical well-being um, and then meditation, um, specifically breathing meditation. And I can tell you that I did really well. Like I, I knocked it. I hit a home run, if you will, with um, bringing healthy lunches you and have. packing healthy lunches. And we even ate today, so yes. living proof right on, on air with us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so so that piece I got done. It was a little challenging in the morning, like if I was running a little bit late or if I decided I want to hit snooze one more time, which is not healthy either. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I stuck with it and I got to it. But I'm embarrassed to say that I haven't found the process to get my butt out of bed on time to work out in the morning because that night it doesn't work for me so well. I've long since convinced myself that I don't need to. Um, so the exercise piece is something I need to focus on, right? And it's all kind of 
the processes and the systems I set up around that. So waking up, not having excuses for myself, right? And getting right downstairs, going, you know, I think I'm going to do a lot of rowing and biking and walking on the treadmill is what my plan is. Awesome. Um, and then in the morning, I've put on my calendar, I have a half hour in there. I need to start doing my daily focus and maybe the trip app or something on the Oculus. Um, and seeing if Very that cool. that helps with meditation, right? Yeah. So I guess I'm, I'm one for three. Sort of, um, job. <laughs> but it's something. And you can do this. Right. The win was, even when, when I was forced with time, I still got my breakfast made and I got my lunch packed and um, we're going to keep learning and keep pushing. Ooh, that's a, that's a bad word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn and find the process. I'm not going to push through and soldier on. <laughs> well, and I'm going to say that you had another win because while I observed that you brought your healthy lunches, I was eating not so healthy in front of you and you still managed to do it. So that's a win too. <laughs> right. I'm going to have boundaries and say, no, I don't need <laughs> chocolate. There you go. <laughs> right, or, I don't want that delicious looking cake there. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right. So that's all for today. Join us next week as we discuss vulnerability. This is Lashana and Josh. Stay authentic, well, and empowered.